What's up, everybody? My name is Ray. You are listening to a podcast called 100 Words or Less. I mean, you kind of already knew that if you downloaded this. Or maybe it's your first time. You know, there are people that jump on this train a little bit later than the rest of you cool folk who found out about this years and years ago. But I digress. The guest this week, the reason that you tuned into this show is to listen to me talk to people who are relevant within independent music. And this is actually a themed month. It's called the Faces of Modern Hardcore, which is basically just a very uh, grand way of me saying that I want to focus on people who are doing amazing stuff right here, right now, this year, particularly maybe even this day. Maybe when you're listening to it, they're playing a show in your hometown. You don't even know about it, but you should know about it. And that's what I'm here to do. So the guest this week is Lennon Livesay. That's a very English name, I think. <laughs> Lennon Livesay from the band Blistered from Florida. Let's get some uh, business pleasantries out of the way. I'm sure you've noticed if you've been listening to the show on a regular basis, we've been getting a lot of advertising support and that is absolutely incredible. But I want you, the listener, to engage with that stuff. And also, I want you, the listener, if you have something you want to promote on this show, please email me, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. If you're thinking like, oh man, that stuff's like so expensive, there's no way that I could do that, you'd be surprised. I am down to help people out in so many different ways. I mean, granted, of course, there needs to be some financial transactions that are happening because, uh, you know, this show gets out to a lot of people and a lot of you are listening to it. You know, the advertisers feel that this is a very valuable source for getting that information out. So anyways, what I'm trying to say is if you are interested in advertising the show, email me, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. We will work something out, I promise you. Because at, at the end of the day, not only do I want to support, you know, Audible, Squarespace, all these other companies that are providing awesome services, I also want to support record labels and other people that are doing cool independent stuff. So just want to put that out there because, you know, I don't want you thinking I'm a sellout, you know, I'm just kidding. I literally never thought about that. So anyways, this month is going really, really well. The previous two episodes with uh, Brendan from Incendiary and then Evan from Mindset and React Records got a huge reaction. Um, I'm just always heartened when I put this themed month stuff together, how people tend to really, really love that stuff. And I'm just, thank you. That's all I'm trying to say. Thank you very much for checking this out and continuing to listen. So live say he is the vocalist for a band called blistered who's from South Florida. As most of you probably know, Florida is a really weird place. So we spent a lot of time talking about that because it's just so, uh, even though it's obviously connected to the United States, it's still so isolated because, you know, it's uh, whatever. I think it's called America's penis. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I just made that up. But, uh, you know, it kind of hangs off in the ocean kind of by itself. And you have to make a very deliberate plan to go down there. You know, you don't just uh, drive by South Florida. So anyways, we talk a lot about that. And then Blistered, they work really, really hard. And while they're not the biggest slash coolest band in hardcore currently they have done a lot of cool stuff and they have released really high quality music on one of my good friends record labels 6130 records he did not pay me to say that but i'm just i'm putting that in there as a you know i love you joey so <laughs> anyways without further ado here's my discussion with lead vocalist of blistered from south florida hit it different conversations but one recently where um extremely good friends with the guys in chokehold and uh -huh. in, most in particular with chris the vocalist yeah and i hung out with him when they did some reunion shows over the summer uh when they did one in arizona more particularly uh -huh. we were just we were just hanging out and uh chris was like had you have you heard blistered before and i was i was like yeah they're a very good band but you know joey put out the record and everything so uh but he was like he's a very very jaded old man <laughs> and for him to like apropos of nothing to bring you guys up it was yeah. one of those things where i was like wow that that speaks highly and i'm sure uh you know I, I guess my first question is like you know old people like your band and that i'm sure in certain <laughs> respects is kind of um i mean maybe bizarre for you where it's just like wow these people i looked up to or whatever um you so how does that sit in your head where it's like old guys like our stuff that i listen to their music it's definitely really strange but i mean it's and it's like obviously no one wants to sound like a geek and like nerd out and, and you know and it, you know it's hardcore. No one's like going to get starstruck over things, but it's, it is definitely cool 
to have like to see how positively like people in bands that are like super directly influential to us like react to our band super positively it's definitely kind of like i don't want to say reaffirming but it's it's very like it's definitely like okay we're we're doing it right we're doing something right so it's it's very cool specifically seeing how much chris from chokehold has been like constantly like posting about us on the internet and stuff and it's like it's crazy i mean i love chokehold i mean I don't think Blizzard sounds like Chokehold, but I mean anything in that realm, I feel like you can just – it's safe to assume like, oh, anybody in this realm of like hardcore playing this kind of stuff, like at least three out of five members in the band are going to be like Chokehold super fans. So right. it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's I mean, it is rad when you it's like when you do as you get older, as you play music, like the the scene kind of collapses in on itself where it's like people yeah. – People you kind of like once looked at where it's like, man, I went to like, uh, I remember where it's like watching the Get Up Kids play and then me being like, oh my gosh, they're incredible and you know, they're, they're, they're so good. And like Matt Pryor, the vocalist is like so much older than me or whatever. And yeah. then realizing like, dude, that guy was only like three years older than me. Like yeah. it's, it's weird. Not saying that, you know, clearly Christian Trokold is older than you, but like yeah, you yeah. start to see all these like, like. Uh, ideas and walls kind of collapse in on itself where it's just like, oh yeah, like I guess art is art and music is music. It's, I feel like when you first start going to hardcore shows because it's like, you're so wide-eyed and it's this new thing, you just, at least for me and my friends, like all of us just thought everybody else besides us was like 25 years old. Like, and we were all like 15, 16 and we all just thought everybody was so much older than us and then kind of started realizing like, Oh, those, those kids are like 18. Like, you know, it's just really this weird moment of realization when you realize that like, Oh, these people who I, I just assumed everybody else who's here has been like doing like this for like 10 years already. And and then you kind of realize that they haven't. And it's, it's very strange, but that's a really good point. I like that because it, it, especially like you said, where you feel like the person, the the people that have quote unquote come before you that Mm -hmm. you look like you look up to and you said, Oh, you must've been like birthed into this. And you're just like, Oh wait, no, like you you've been going to shows for like 2 years longer than I have or whatever. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to find out like especially when you when you start finding out like in the case of me and my friends that like the kids who were like making fun of us and like like clowning on us for being like new kids or like being in like whatever like crappy bands we were in before, like you kind of start like after a while of being around like you start to see their like their past and you kind of start to realize like wow who are these dorks to be like making fun of us and it's 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 pretty interesting to watch that unfold too yeah i mean the last thing i I always find it bizarre when people have that sort of you know pack mentality of like let's make fun of the new kids trying to do this thing when in actuality you should be encouraging it and fostering it yeah absolutely but then to realize yeah like you said to come back and be like dude you were in a terrible pop punk band too. Like, why are you? Why are you throwing stones at me? Crazy to see it all come full circle. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you yourself were you always like born and raised in in Florida, or where did you come up? Yeah, uh, I grew up in Pembroke Pines, and that is where I currently live. It is a suburb about halfway between Miami and Fort Lauderdale. Um, okay. It's a really South Florida is a really interesting place because. It's not like when you go to the suburbs and like other places, I feel like town and then like a little bit of space of nothing in between and then like another town and like a little bit of space and like so on. But in South Florida, everything is just crammed together. All the towns stop where the next one starts. And so it has this weird feel where it's like sort of it doesn't really feel as suburban as it actually is. I don't know. It's, it's cool, though. I like it a lot. But yeah, I, I grew up here. I've always lived here. The, the times that I would tour to Florida, it was always, um, I mean, it's a task to play South Florida because yeah. clearly you have to drive very far down the state to yeah. play some shows and then yes. try to try to play back up where there's really not much to play back up to, you know, unless you're going yeah. back west where you can kind of maybe, you know, fake a sh- few shows in the way. But yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, it's weird too, because coming to South Florida specifically, it's like since because of like geographically, because of the nature of the state. There's just truly one way in and one way out. So on your way down, you're like limited. So that's why like a lot of bands, I feel like when they say, oh, we're going to play Florida. So we'll we'll hit like Pensacola or Jacksonville, somewhere like that. That's North Florida. But I mean, Jacksonville is six hours from me and Pensacola is 10 or 11 hours from me. Usually when bands are like, oh, yeah, we'll play this show and that'll satisfy our uh, 
requirement to like get give Florida kids an opportunity to see us. It's like, no, absolutely not. But yeah, I have to drive across the entire state in order to see. You. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I, but I mean, we get a good amount of tours down here now. It, we didn't for a while, but bands started coming down and and like, I guess we kind of just like all the shows were so good for a while that I guess they start the word got out and. So now I, I feel like for the most part, tours make a point to try to make it down here, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. So what was your experience uh, in general as far as, I mean, obviously it sounds like you speak uh, fondly of, of Florida and you're, you're you know, being raised in that, uh, in that area. Um, be, I mean, Florida is, I feel a, a kinship for you because like, I mean, I was born in Vegas and a lot of yeah. people have the impression of Vegas. You either retire there or you're like, you know, a complete alcoholic like you know gambler or whatever but then but like florida people automatically assume like oh yeah you're either like you know super into meth or you're retired like yeah is that that what people project on you it it is definitely what people project on me and to a certain extent that's just the reality of the state i i cannot lie and say that that's not how it is florida's such a big state and there's like specific cities like the area i live in and then there's like orlando where like disney world is and stuff like Tampa, Jacksonville, Tallahassee, et cetera. But if you leave the like five or six big cities in Florida, you are straight up in like weird, like, like the Everglades, just like, just strange. Swamp it's, people. Yes, absolutely. Just super swamp people. Like, so that, that, that stigma definitely uh, gets projected on, on people from Florida, I think. And then people go to like a city in Florida and, and kind of realize like, oh, this is just like everywhere else. But then as soon as you like leave that area, it's just like night and day. It's, it's not even like a gradual thing. It's just like this strange immediate transition into like weird swampland. Right. But, yeah. You, you get to the areas where you specifically go to to escape from the world. Where yeah. People, people are like, I'm checked out. I'm, I, got a, yeah. I got a boat or I got a little shack on the, on the Everglades. Yep. Yeah. It is um, insane. So, what was your uh, what was your 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 family structure like? Were you you know a mom and dad, brothers and sisters, and what did your household look like? Uh, it's just me, my mom and dad. Um, they're still together. Uh, I live with them currently. Um, I moved away to Tampa to go to school for a few years, but uh, once Blistered started doing more touring and picking up with that, I just decided that I didn't want to juggle both. So I, I'm I'm back home right now. Um, my parents are still together. They are the coolest parents in existence. Um, my parents are both have always just been super, super, super supportive of me playing in bands. My dad plays, uh, music professionally. So he like toured for like a number of years. He toured for, from, from when he was like 17 to when he was like, like 40, he like toured nonstop. So he like gets it. Not that he gets hardcore, like, but he gets it about as much as you could expect someone to get it. So that's very very cool. It is very awesome having the parents that I have. They are the best. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. I mean, yeah. so what you're, uh, what what was he doing as a touring musician? What was his instrument, and what was he uh, kind of doing? Uh, he played guitar and sang in this band called Slider. Um, they just kind of sound like Cheap Trick, sort of. It was just like '80s like power pop stuff, but like rockier power pop, I guess. Okay. Um, and they just toured a lot, and. Uh, so yeah, he, he, he was still, he was in the system. Like he was like putting out records and doing all yeah, that. They put out a couple records. Um, he still puts out records now, but he does like singer songwriter stuff now. Okay. And uh, for a number of years, he played in uh, a band with Clarence Clemens, who played saxophone for Bruce Springsteen's band for the E Street Band. Mm, wow. So yeah, he's got a uh, pretty pretty impressive dossier. He does he he's done a lot of stuff, so that's cool. That's awesome. And so, and he's still currently, uh, like, you know, he basically, he still makes a living off of music to, you know, still p- pursue that. Yep. He is actually, I just, before we got on here and started talking, he was on his way out to go play a show. Um, he plays out all the time. He's like a singer songwriter. He, he, we have a studio at my house where he records all of his stuff and it's pretty cool. Cause he taught me how to use it when I was super young. So like any band that I'm in, like I can just like record our demos at home. So that's pretty cool. It sounds like your your dad was obviously very um, uh, responsible from the the fact that you know because usually it's like when people become a part of the system and they're touring and they're doing all this stuff um, you know the idea of investing in their future to build like a recording studio like yeah. to to me that's like the smartest thing any of my yeah. fr- any of my friends that have ever done that where I'm just like oh that's great you got signed to a major label and you didn't you know blow your advance on you know a, like a car yeah, yeah it's it's 
it's pretty cool. It's definitely a really cool perk. And he definitely pushed me to start playing music like when I was super young. Like when I remember like one of my earliest memories when I was I think I was five or six. He like sat me down and was like, "Okay, you are going to we're going to I'm going to teach you how to play piano. And I just remember being like, I don't want to play piano. I want to play guitar. And him being like, well, you got to start with piano. If you learn piano first, you can learn to play everything else afterwards. And so when I was six, I started playing piano and that was how I started playing music. So it's incredible that you didn't have the um, kind of sort of visceral reaction, because obviously when, like you said, you have a great relationship with your parents and love them very much that you didn't have that. Oh, well, that's like my dad's stuff, music. Like I'm going to go the other way, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I just, it just kind of happened that way. I don't know. It's, it, it definitely was something that I was like super into and I loved playing piano up until I started playing guitar. And then when I, as soon as I picked up guitar, which was probably like when I was like 11 or 12, I was just like, man, fuck this piano is dorky. I don't want to play piano anymore. Right. And it just like bailed on that and, uh, started playing guitar and drums when I was like 11 and 12. So that's awesome. yeah, it's, what- it's, been, it's definitely one of those things where like he like, kind of nudged me in that direction, but he never like pressured me about it. So I think that's why I never had that like adverse reaction to it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like he, he created the environment, but he yeah. let, he let you kind of, you know, uh, paint the canvas, so to yeah, speak. With your absolutely. Own. Yeah. And so it was your mom basically just, uh, raising you and, and staying at home. Uh, no, my mom actually has a full-time job. Um, she works in the, uh, the medical industry. She's like a office manager, I think, or like an office consultant for uh i don't know exactly what it is but she's like the office manager for a knee surgery firm oh okay Um, she is the least musically inclined person on earth so she has had nothing to do with like my interest in music or playing music other than just being she gets it because of my dad so she's like always also been like super super encouraging but yeah as far as the uh the the push specifically for music it was always just all my dad's doing yeah well, it's cool. It's cool that obviously I, I definitely always see the, uh, you know, couples that get together that end up staying together for a long period of time. Yeah. They aren't the same people, you know, where no, it's like yeah. you're like, clearly it could have been, you know, a, a, a source of friction where it's like, if your mom was like equally as doubled in on music where yeah. they would just be like talking about that all day long, like you run into a wall where the common interests like sometimes swallow each other up. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And so they, they kind of stay in each other's lane. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely cool. Yeah, it, it's worked out somehow. And so as you uh, started to you know, grow up in Florida and start to you know, find your own identity, um, mm-hmm. when did you uh, kind of start to, you know, what kind of kid did you find yourself coming into? Like, you know, once you were in like high school and stuff like that, were you, you, were you kind of like, oh, yeah, Lennon's like the music dude. Like, you know, that's cool. Or were you, you know, into sports? And like, what did you find yourself personality wise? Um, I never really was into sports. I like played baseball like a little when I was younger, but I was like so piss poor at it that I just gave up on that. I was like super in, I I, like got really into skating, but I was, again, it was like one of those things where I was like so, 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 so bad at it. And all my friends were just like getting better and better. And I just wasn't at all that I was just like, man, fuck this, this sucks. And so I kind of like fell out of that. But I, yeah, I just kind of um, – my first band that I played in was just like we, we like covered a Green Day song at like my middle school talent show when I was like in sixth grade I think or seventh grade. And I was into like – I was into a lot of random stuff musically. Like I was never really super into one thing before I got into hardcore. It was like I, I liked like Green Day and like No Effects and then I like also liked Under Oath and like – Atreyu and like so I was just kind of like all over the place I don't know I guess I guess yeah I was just like the the music kid I guess was what I was, I was just into music in general so I, I I always like talking about those formative you know bands or time and period in people's lives because you don't associate so specifically to one scene you're just putting yeah. like because music is music to you at that point so you're yeah. just like if it's loud and aggressive like that's cool yeah only as you grow older you start to kind of be like Oh, I guess I guess I'm not supposed to like this particular genre of music now because everyone else kind of makes fun of it or whatever. You, like, yeah. so you start to see all these weird delineations. It's definitely a more I guess innocence not really the word, but you don't really have like a lens to view it through. You just like it's it's very pure, I guess. Did you start to go to shows around that age, like in high school as well? You started to you know I guess go out from that perspective. 
Yeah, um, there was a venue around here called the Talent Farm. It was like a super, 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 super not in a in a bad area at all. And it was like viewed by a lot of people as like a very like too safe. It was like a kiddie place almost. But the dude who ran it was this this guy named Kevin Burns, and he was just this this older dude who'd just been into music his whole life. And so my parents had no problem dropping me off at a show when I was like 13, because it was like a super super like safe place. And there was a lot of my friends. It was like the same deal. You know, it wasn't like they were dropping us off at like some sketchy place in like a sketchy neighborhood. I started going to like whatever shows were there when I was like, like 13, me and my friends started going to like, they would do like pop punk shows and like metal shows, just like whatever stuff. Um, eventually they started doing hardcore shows there. Again, it was weird for like a lot of older people like felt uncomfortable going there because they felt like it had such a, like too safe of a vibe, you know, but they started doing hardcore shows there. And for a number of years, that was like the spot for hardcore shows. And it was really cool because that like, quote unquote, kid friendly vibe that turned off so many people existed. Um, while it was like turning off a lot of like older people, it was getting out a lot of younger kids who started coming to hardcore shows. And we like had a really, really big boom in, in like our scene down here. And it's like, because of that place. So it was very, very cool. So yeah, when I was Basically, to answer the question, yeah, uh, I started going to shows when I was like 13. When I was like 15, 16, I like kind of started going to hardcore shows as opposed to not that I stopped going to those other shows because those were like the shows that my friends were going to. And so it wasn't just like, oh, hardcore exists. Fuck the rest of the shit. It was more of like a gradual thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was definitely like going to shows early on. I wasn't really interested in like playing sports or like going to parties or anything. I just was like, okay, when's the next show? I want to go do this. But I, I find it interesting that you're talking about the, um, you know, a, kind of a safe environment. Like, was it, yeah. um, was it one of those things like, you know, because usually, I mean, from my experience, people tend to maybe get turned off to, I guess, a venue in general, not so much because like young kids are coming to it, but it's like, whatever. Oh, this is like a Christian venue or this is like a, you know, whatever. It has some yeah. over, some some overtone that isn't so specifically like is antithetical to sort of punk and hardcore in general. Yeah. Like, was was this like, you know, was this deemed a Christian venue? So like the older hardcore kids were just like, oh, I don't know about that or like what? Yeah, it was not a Christian venue at all by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, the dude, Kevin, who ran it was the most open-minded dude on earth. Any, any band could play there. Like he didn't give a fuck what it was or like what, you know, like there was never, it was, ne- I mean, there were, there have been venues that like in South Florida that were like, had those like Christian overtones where it was like, well, you can't say this and that when you're playing and like, you can't say fuck and like stuff like that. But like, this was never like that at all. He was, it was just a super, it was just one of those things where it was like, it kind of in the middle of nowhere. It had a big parking lot and like, it wasn't in a downtown area at all. They didn't serve alcohol. It was really clean, which is, I mean, for me, I, I love all that. That's right. this, sounds cool. ama- this sounds amazing. I'll, I'm going yeah. there right now. <laughs> yeah. But for a lot of like older people, I guess they were like, oh, you know, like we can't drink here and it's far away, which ironically people complain about the venue being far away, but it's in a, in a true, you don't know what you got till it's gone type twist. We lost that venue a couple of years ago and everywhere that we've tried to do shows since then, you kind of realize how conveniently located this place was. It was, like I said earlier on, there's definitely this weird thing in Florida where civilization ends and across the street is the Everglades. It's not like a gradual thing at all. And this venue was literally at the end of civilization. Like when you stood in the parking lot and looked across the street, you were just looking at the Everglades for hundreds of miles, just nothing. Just so it was like this weird, it was just a strange vibe. It was really cool, but it definitely had a vibe all its own. And it, for some reason turned off a lot of older people. So I just had never experienced that sort of uh, like pushback to a venue where it's like yeah. you know, people people are like oh yeah don't go there because of this and you know you, I don't think I've ever heard like oh this venue's too clean and yeah. like it has a well lit parking lot so you yeah. shouldn't go there it's so bizarre it's, it's, it, the thing is it sounds so ridiculous when you when you say it but it it truly was really polarizing and then you know it became one of those things where like kids who went to shows there kind of got labeled like the quote it was called the venue was called the talent farm so in which that that is you know, a lot of people thought like, oh, that's a stupid, silly name. And, you know, even in the name, I guess that turned a lot of people off. But um, people were started dubbing like all oh, those the talent farm kids, like the kids who go to those shows. But I mean, it was like for a period of time, once hardcore shows started happening there, it was like every cool hardcore tour that came through South Florida from like 2011 or like 
late 2011, early 2012, up through like 2015, like came through the talent farm and the shows there were fucking awesome, really consistent, really good. And you know, it's like our whole attitude was like, like the kid, those of us who were like playing in, in like bands there that were like helping promote those shows that were going to every show there. It was just like, you know what? Like, fuck these dudes. They're missing out. Like they're, they're just jaded losers. And it, like, sorry, like, you know, things aren't the way they used to be like, but if you can't hang with that, like you don't like it, like, sorry, just like, right. you know, you're, you're missing out on a really cool thing that's happening right now. So no, it's cool too, because I like that, that concept of, you know, you're building your own thing over there. Like this is, uh, you know, the problem wasn't with the venue or you guys as a young community kind of yeah. rattling around this thing. It was the fact that, you know, older people, like you said, weren't able to quote unquote change at the times or, yeah. Uh, realize that I, I just think you know I mean the reason I'm belaboring this point is I just think it's so important because people you know get so locked into their era of things being the best and it's yeah like, it's it, it's never the case it's yeah. always, it's always exciting as long as you take the time to find the excitement yeah absolutely um, and so it, it also seems like you were uh, just in kind of poking around on the internet and seeing your um, uh, the other interviews you've done. You were very prolific initially just because of your access to, you know, like you said, recording demos and kind of recording your, your stuff. So when you were, you know, I, I presume you're, you know, whatever, freshman or sophomore in high school, when you started to record this early iteration of not blistered, but just you being a musician in general, like when did you first record, I guess, your first song? When I was, I got, I guess when I was 15 would be like my sophomore year in high school, I, I started recording, like just messing around, but it was never anything that I like thought was good enough in the nature of the songs themselves or in the quality of the recording to put out. The first recording that I ever showed anybody was like the first real hardcore band that I played in. Uh, I played in this band called Losing It. It was like sort of a influenced by like Ripe Brigade and like Outburst, just like different stuff, just like a pretty straightforward, like hardcore punk band, I guess. I recorded our demo and that was the first thing that I like listened to and was just like, wow, I'm stoked on how this sounds. Like I want people to hear this. And so everything else up until then was like more of a learning process and like any recordings for bands that I was in that I was like proud to show people were not, I didn't record them myself. That was the first thing that I recorded myself that I was like, okay, this is like good enough to like put out there. So, right. Right. And so, yeah, you were just, you were recording yourself previously doing all these different, you know, versions of music you were trying to create just yeah. kind of basically just kind of dicking around and feeling it out. Yeah, exactly. So then as you started to, you know, become more immersed within, you know, punk and hardcore and stuff like that, um, was it always that notion that you like obviously wanted to like, you know, I always hate to use the term like make it as a band, <laughs> but like, were you trying to focus solely on that? And like school was a distant afterthought or where was that all kind of existing in your head? Um, I was going to school, uh, that band losing it, like I said, was, it was like my first real hardcore band. We were just kind of like touring during the summer and like during like breaks and stuff like that. But I mean, it, it became apparent pretty quickly, like, wow, I would much rather be doing this all the time than being in school. So I started just focusing on, on like that kind of stuff. Like I started focusing more on touring and, and eventually when, when like blistered blister became a band, like a few years later. And I was just like, yeah, this, like once we like got hooked up with 6131 and we were like, okay, we're like really going to do this. You know, we have like somebody who's going to put out like a record for us. And like, you know, we like kind of like have an opportunity to like, like take what we got going on and run with it. It was like a no brainer for me. I was like, absolutely like, yeah, fuck, fuck this school. I'm, I'm done with this. So, so you, you graduated high school and you went to a little bit of college. Yeah, I went to college for like a couple years um, at University of South Florida, which is ironically with the name, it's not in South Florida. I'm from South Florida. Um, that's that school's in Tampa, which is like Central Florida. It's like three and a half, four hours north of me. Okay, but going there and being in Tampa is how I met the rest of the dudes in Blistered. Blistered technically is like a Tampa band. Um, the rest of the dudes, besides me and our drummer, uh, who live in South Florida, the rest of the band members live in Tampa. So, and so what, what were you attempting to study as you were going to college? Like, was there, was there any other sort of like career aspirations you had or like things that you were into where you were like, oh yeah, I can like make money off this. Or it was just like, yo, I'm just going to work, you know, shitty retail jobs just because I need to tour or whatever. Um, I was going to school for English lit just cause that's something that I have an interest in. And my kind of plan was to teach and you can teach with pretty much any four-year degree. So 
I was like, yeah, you know, I might as well go to school for something that interests me to an extent, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just landed on English Lit and uh, my kind of plan, which is, I mean, still just eventually, you know, like when things slow down and I stop touring, I, I'll probably go back and finish and then I'd, I'd like to teach. That just seems like something that, you know, could be cool. And uh, yeah, ideally, like when I'm a little bit older and done touring, I would like to teach and kind of use that to fund doing some sort of a label and put out records for hardcore bands. So sure. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. You're like, uh, yeah, I'm going to be doing real life stuff, but at the same time, I'm still completely going to be involved in hardcore. Yeah. That, I mean, ideally that's like what I'd like to do. I, I do a fanzine and I started through my fanzine. I've been putting out like tape releases for smaller bands. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of like dabbling in that a little bit. Sure. You're getting, right. your, you're getting your feet wet. Yeah. Yeah. And I ju- I'm about to do my first seven inch, which I'm really excited about. Um, but that, as far as a label goes, that's that's not really a full time thing for me because I'm more focused on doing Blizzard stuff right now. So sure, I asked this question because I was definitely always the default businessman in my band because I was the vocalist. Like, uh-huh. was that was that job thrust upon you, or were you kind of like, no, I'll I'll do it because I enjoy it. Um, I'm actually not really the businessman in the band. Um, our guitar player, Evan, I mean, we like consult on everything, of course. um, but he is the mouthpiece for the majority of the business decisions that get made. So God, well, that's good. Yeah. You were, <laughs> you, you didn't have to, uh, cause I, it is, I don't, I don't really, I mean, I guess I understand why, like everyone looks to the singer to be like, you know, all right, that's the guy that booked the shows and that's the guy that's yeah. like making these decisions. Cause he's like the most visible or whatever, but yeah, yeah. But so many people, like I've just run across so many people that fall into that role that like never wanted it. They're just like, I don't want to be that guy that does that, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to deal with money and shit. That's that's a pain <laughs> in the ass. Like totally. So yeah. And I, I really, uh, I also admire your. I guess the the uh, the hustle that you have in regards to, like you said, you know, you do a fanzine. You're you're obviously playing in a band, and when yeah. you're when you're referring to the the scene that you participate in, you always use the pronoun we. Yeah. And I, I think that's, um, you know, it's such an important concept where um, the idea of you kind of taking something from art, you know, like the scene or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, but then feeling like you need to contribute to it as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, where did that hardcore, like the, 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 did that just come from, like mere observation of other people or was that kind of, you know, really just ingrained in who you are as a person? I mean, it's definitely like, you know, you hear it all the time, you know, like from like older people and bands, like when you're like coming up, give back, you know, like hardcore is giving you this, you know, you've taken from it. Like, you know, when you, when you have the opportunity, you should give back. And it's like, as soon as I heard that, you know, it's like, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. And, you know, it's like as much as me helping with, with like what we have going on down here, as far as our hardcore scene and as like putting out tapes and like doing my fanzine, which like I, I as much as I, as much as it is a form of giving back, you know, like I still love doing it. You know, it's 100% just so much fun. And I feel so pumped when I fucking am holding a tape that I'm like, when I'm like boxing up tapes, like send them off to a band that I just put out or like when I'm like holding like the finished product of like a fanzine that I do, you know, I just feel, I just like creating this, this stuff and like, I don't know. It's just like, even at the end of the day, if nobody cared, if like nobody, which not that, you know, I'm like selling a thousand copies of tapes that I do or zines that I do but you know like you know people like my friends at least and people down here are like into it so you know even if those people weren't into it I would still be doing it because I just love to do it so right right obviously for people um that just kind of you know are casual fans and just you go to a show here and there it's like I I just always wonder where it's like oh like you don't really want to like do anything around that you know you don't yeah. want to like take some photos i always find it you know uh yeah. whatever they i mean because obviously for many people like this is just kind of a form of entertainment but then yeah. there's there's obviously the rest of us that are just like no man this is it <laughs> yeah sometimes when you are the no this is it people it's really easy to form a like a certain level of like disdain towards casual like one foot in the door one foot out people me as a person like that's something that like you know, me and a lot of my friends definitely have like gone through like periods where, where we've been like, you know, like getting really frustrated with like, you know, like, oh, this big tour will come through and there's like a hundred billion kids here. Like, where the fuck are all these kids 
when like the smaller, like medium sized, like hardcore tours come through. Like, and it's really easy to get really frustrated. And like lately, I've just been trying to remind myself that like, you know, like to a certain extent, like not everybody is going to be the like, oh shit, this is it. This is what it's really about people. And like those like casual like fans like do exist. And you know, it's it, by, by like being adverse towards them, you're not going to encourage them to get more involved. So that's something I've been like trying lately to like be more mindful of. So, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. You definitely have to check your negativity sometimes because it is yeah. easy. It is easy to feel ownership over something like this, but then yeah. r- in reality, this isn't your own. Yeah, absolutely. We're all tourists here. I also find it uh, like uh, kind of referencing, you know, you, you using the pronoun we when you're describing the scene and stuff like that. I feel like there is uh, obviously a pride of ownership in the fact that, you know, you and obviously a collective of people have helped, you know, like you said, kind of build a scene back up in Florida where yeah. you know, every scene obviously ebbs and flows. But um, is it is it is it a point of pride for you to be like, yeah, like this is where we're from and we obviously rep it? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, for a really long time, Florida was like the butt of every joke as far as hardcore. When I first started like going to hardcore shows, people didn't give a fuck about bands from Florida. Like people thought bands from Florida were all like corny, you know? Eventually, now it's not really like that anymore. I think people kind of are like, oh shit, you know, like some of these bands from Florida are like really cool and like it's not just the bands from Florida that are cool. We, we have like a cool scene, you know, like it's, it's sort of like everyone kind of has their role in the scene. Certain people who are like booking the shows and like flyering, certain people who are like making the flyers. And then you have like the kids who are filming shows, the kids who are like taking pictures. And then, you know, like beyond all that, like, I don't think that you have to like do a zine or like a record label to like really give back, you know, like there's like so much appreciation for like kids who just young kids who like come out to shows and like, they don't gripe about having to pay. They fucking like come out and they pay for shows. They fucking go off for bands. And like, it's just like, no matter what you're doing, you're like contributing something. And down here, there's like a really cool sense of like, everyone is contributing and it's like really, really awesome. We have just a really cool community going on. It's badass. That's cool. Yeah. I I always like when you can sort of shed a light on that because I do think it's really easy, especially in the, you know, a digital age for people to feel fractured and not a part of something. And when you're able to actually like physically manifest something, you know, whether it is like, obviously, like you said, a zine, something tangible, a scene, you know, a a show place, whatever it is, that just makes it all the more meaningful, you know? And I mean, it's still not to the level where I feel like it should be as far as like, Bands from Florida still have to work really hard. And I mean, part of that is like we talked about, like geographically, like you have to drive super far to like start a tour being from Florida, you know, like, and it's like harder to get out there and like, but, but there's so many really good bands, especially right now from Florida. There are so many awesome, awesome, awesome bands that people are finally starting to like take notice of. And I think that that's really cool. There's still some, some time to go. I I want, I like, there's, there's still a ways to go before I feel like those bands are getting the recognition that they fully deserve, you know? Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. You, you always have something to strive for and push for, Yeah, you know, kind of shifting focus to obviously specifically the, the band that you exist in now blistered the uh, lyrically speaking, you obviously address topics that are, you know, pretty heavy from, you know, suicide and other dark subject matter that obviously it seems like you're pulling from personal experience. Yeah. I mean, everything that I've written about in a, in a blistered song is like something that like comes from me personally. Yeah. Um, and it's like, being in like a low place and, and like writing those songs, it's like a very, like, it sounds super corny to say, but it really is like a very like cathartic thing. And like being able to like write those songs has like helped me get through like stuff. More specifically, like how did suicide touch your life? And uh, I guess maybe family, if you feel comfortable talking about it. I mean, okay. So when I was going to school, I was kind of at this point where like right before I quit school and like made the jump to like, we're really just going to like run with this and like do this with the band. Uh It was like everything that had been a constant in my life for like the last few years was like changing, like super suddenly and super dramatically. I was like, like had stopped caring about school because of the band. So I was like failing out of school. I just ended like a really long-term relationship and was just like, felt like, I mean, as again, as corny as it sounds, you know, like I just like felt weird about growing up. Like it just felt really, really weird and strange. And I was just like super, super bummed out all the time. Just felt fucking terrible. I had this level of cognitive dissonance where I was like still in school and like was doing so shitty at it. And because I didn't want to be there and like, 
I knew that there was like something else out there that I would so much rather be doing. But for some reason, I just like didn't really I wasn't at the level yet where I like had the guts to just like make that jump and like quit school and like say, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to do this. Like, so it, it definitely like took a toll on me. I felt like there was like a level of like, I know who I am and I know who I want to be. And I know that that's like not what like I feel like there's like all these forces at work that are like pushing me to not be that way. And so it definitely led to me feeling super, super, super depressed for, for quite some time. And, um, again, writing those songs was just like a very cathartic thing for me and it helped me like get past that. So. Got it. Got it. So basically you, you were obviously referencing your, yourself in regards to these, the, cause I, I think it's interesting how you put it where the, the notion of growing up, cause you know, usually a lot of people, especially, you know, I mean, I think the, the idea of suicidal thoughts, uh, you know, run through, I mean, many people in regards to, yeah. you know, when they're in high school and like when the, when you feel, um, for lack of a better term, trapped in certain situations where you don't feel like you have a choice. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's interesting how you kind of hit on that point of like, well, I didn't want to let go of all these things yeah. <laughs> that were that were happening. And yeah. the, the change was the most scary part to you. Yeah, absolutely. It was just so sudden and couldn't have come at like a worse time as far as like feeling weird about like, okay, you know, like at a point now where like I'm an adult, quote unquote, but I'm like not really ready to fully be an adult. You know what I mean? Like, and I mean, I'm I'm still not, you know, like I fucking like my room is just like, covered in like action figures and comic books and fucking, I don't know. I'm, I'm the, the worst adult on earth. I'm just not an adult. So it's just one of those things where like through like doing the band and like writing those songs, like just, and just being in a, like a different place, I just like feel a lot better about it now. So that's cool. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely think there's that notion of being able to wrestle with the idea um, of coming to terms that you have, because to me, there's a huge difference. And I know this is going to sound very dad-like and I apologize, but like no. there's, there's a huge difference between, you know, being responsible and then growing up, you know, because yeah. I, I think the notion that a lot of people have, especially when you're confronted with the style of music that obviously we were both into is the idea that you have to like give up portions of yourself to grow up, you know? Yeah. And I think that there's that, to, which to me, like it, it, these these two worlds can exist where it's like, you just have to like work harder at it, you know? Of, yeah. Okay. Once you hit a certain age where you're just like, oh man, I got like all these, you know, bills and all this real life responsibility. And it's like, okay, well, I got to be responsible for that. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to jump off a bridge with friends to the morning or whatever, you know, it's yeah. like you could still coexist in both worlds, but sometimes like I, I completely empathize with what you're saying where you kind of feel like you hit a wall, like yeah. life comes crashing down on you and you're just like, Oh shit, where do I go? Uh, well, it's glad I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're in a better place and you were able to, um, you know, use the, the vehicle in which you've chosen to express yourself as like, you know, actually cathartic as opposed to, you know, I'm just going to continue to be in misery. Thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely glad too. But. Yeah. <laughs> And so then kind of, you know, the reflecting on the fact that, you know, because I mean, hardcore is such a bizarre thing in the sense of, you know, a band can be like the coolest thing of all time for six months. And then all of a sudden people have shifted and you're on to some other different band. Yeah. Blistered. Um, I mean, in my mind, thankfully, has never been kind of that anointed one, so to speak, uh -huh. because sometimes that ends up backfiring. But yeah, 100 percent. You guys were, you guys seem to work obviously really hard at like getting yourselves out there in so many different ways. Is it one of those things where you're kind of pushed and pulled where it's just like, man, we seem to be working so hard, but we haven't got to that next thing. Or is it just kind of a constant where, you know, well, we'll just keep our head down and keep on working. Like, how do you wrestle with that in your head? It's, it's just like, I think it comes back again to being where we're from, being a product of like from being from Florida, Florida, I know being here and getting showed all these incredible fucking bands that have come from Florida historically. I know that Florida has such a badass history of hardcore bands, but again, people typically don't really acknowledge Florida as like a hotbed for good hardcore. And again, like, I think that's a shame, but it's just the reality of it. So to a certain extent, we kind of went into it knowing like we're not going to have shit handed to us. We're not going to fucking coast on being from this place or being, you know, associated with like these bands or this place or like whatever. And, you know, like I'm not saying that all bands from places like that or that do have those associations are like not deserving of like that attention because a lot of those bands are badass, you know. And But at the end of the day, it's one of those things where it's like we knew going into it like – 
we are just going to have to work our asses off if we want to make anything of this. And we kind of went into it knowing or thinking like this band, nothing really is truly ever going to come of this band. We're just going to fucking do it because we want to do it and have fun and work really hard and like whatever, you know? So everything that has happened since it's like, we don't really take any of it for granted and it's all like super appreciated. So got it. Yeah. That I, I don't ever think, mo- well, I think the bands that start with the sense of entitlement usually end up, you know, fading out pretty quickly. But yeah, then, but there is that notion like the um, I find it interesting because I uh, I reflect on my time in playing in bands where it's like the first band I played in was exactly the same mentality you're talking about. You know, all the success we received was completely unintentional and completely yeah. like, wow, that's amazing that that happened, that anyone cares. Yeah. But then like you, you, uh, you know, I took that knowledge into the second band I played in and we were very, very, very business focused on like, all right, this is what we're going to do. And like, you know, honestly, the art came out. Uh, very calculated and because uh-huh. of that because of that no it, like it didn't translate to anybody like there was no sort of wider success it is interesting to where uh you watch bands that maybe come at it from that angle and are like well yeah maybe they have their stuff more together but th- it doesn't seem like they're like honestly expressing themselves you know like yeah I- i'm sure it's it's one of those things where obviously the longevity of of blistered is more in focus than uh, being like, all right, well, we're going to give this thing two years and that's kind of it. And I think it, it, it comes out to like at the end of the day, like if you want people to think your band is good, like you have to like just like work hard and like focus on like writing just good songs. Like that's like what it comes down to, you know, like you can't coast on like, oh, like we have this like aesthetic thing going on or like we have like this gimmick or like whatever, like you have to, you just have to be able to, you just have to focus on writing good hardcore songs. That's like what it comes down to. So. Sure. Yeah. The, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, the last thing I want to hit on was, uh, so because you've obviously, you know, like you said, you obviously have very supportive parents and they understand, um, what it is that you're doing. Um, was there any trepidation of them being like you obviously moving back home and being kind of like, all right, well, I'm going to focus on this. Um, were they, you know, do they just welcome you in with open arms and are like, all right, well, yeah, like, you know, do, do the thing as much as you can. Um, or was that, yes. okay. That's <laughs> one, one, just 100%. Um, okay. like I said, my dad toured for like a long time. So he like gets it truthfully when like that moment was there where I was kind of like on the fence, like, you know, do I want to like keep just sucking it up and like doing school or do I want to like, you know, just like really like do it. Like my, my parents both, but specifically my dad was just like, do it. Like that should, that's a no brainer. Like just really go for it, you know? So mm-hmm. it was really cool. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Um, cause obviously so many people, cause it, it's never like parents are coming at it from the angle of like, Oh, I don't want you to pursue your passions, but they're just always like, that's not real. Like, how are you supposed to, you know, how are you supposed yeah. to make a living off of that or whatever? Yeah. But it's funny that you, your dad is just like, nah, man, do it. Truly the coolest thing on earth. Have your parents, like, have you brought them out to, you know, larger shows that you've played in order to kind of, you know, have uh, them sort of understand the context in which you're coming from? Or do they, uh, you know, what have they witnessed? Yeah. That band Losing It that I played in, we played our last show and Blistered also played. It was like Blistered, it was like early on in Blistered being a band. And my parents came out to that show. So they've seen Blistered and they've seen, I, I played in actually like, a few bands that night on because it was like we were like the, a band from down here and it was our last show so we we're like all right we're gonna have like all of our friends bands like all of our bands play and it was like a really truthfully just stupid how many bands play, played that show but my parents came out to that show and and saw me play a few different sets and like a few different bands so they've seen like different bands that i played in and they you know while my dad's like not my dad's like not going home and like putting on an earth crisis record, but he like kind of gets it as much as I could expect him to. So, right. <laughs> there isn't that, uh, there isn't that, uh, or maybe more so from your mother's part of like, Oh my gosh, those kids jumping on you. Like, I'm just so scared that you may get hurt. Yeah. They, uh, my parents actually fun, funny enough at that show, uh, this band played and my dad afterwards just, kept talking to me about how impressed he was that the singer of the band was so able to just easily dodge people who were moshing near him during their set. He like went on about it. He was just like so impressed by it. And I thought that was really funny that he like was so (laughs) amused by that. Totally. He was like, wow, that takes real talent to dodge that stuff. 
Yeah. Well, Lennon, I really, really appreciate you hanging out and obviously discussing all this because, uh, yeah, I just think it's uh, obviously important to showcase, you know, what obviously what your band is doing, but more importantly, kind of, you know, what you're doing down in South Florida to, you know, keep, keep the scene alive, so to speak. Yeah, we're, we're trying. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, dude. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me on. So there we have it and out of the interviews, but I, I just can't. I'll just always lean on what I feel comfortable with. Pretty good discussion, right? I like to the areas in which we tread because, um, yeah, I just found it so interesting being from Florida, having to work to build a scene and having to work to essentially get your name out there in ways that, you know, maybe bands from L.A. or New York or Chicago or Philly have it a little bit easier because they can travel to a lot of different cities and uh, it's not very far for them to do that. So kudos to Blistered. Thanks for putting in the hard work, Lennon. The producer, as always, is Tom Richfield, forever indebted and uh, until he moves to America. Continue to mention this to him because eventually at some point he should. So visit the show's website, 100wordspodcast.com. Sign up for the email news list that's on the right side of the page. And uh, if you're feeling saucy, I'd love for you to contribute some reviews because, you know, I'm, uh, I need the ego boost. That's just, that's just what it comes down to. I need some people who haven't done reviews to do that because it helps kick up the show on rankings and all that other fun stuff. So next week will be the conclusion of our month-long journey into the modern faces of hardcore, and it, it is a great conversation. Nice little teaser. You'll have to tune in next week. Tune in like it's a radio show. Please be safe, everybody. Oh,